when you're having a disagreement, have you noticed that the words you're speaking are not having the desired effect? You might be trying to say kind words, but it's just not working. This is because your words are only communicating 7% of the message you intended. Your body language and tonality are doing the rest. What if there was a way to transform these difficult conversations in a way to where your words had the intended effect on your partner? Did you know the average couple waits six years to get help in their marriage? Yeah, that's six years of pain, hurt, and frustration. Hi there, I'm Charla Snow. And I'm Robert Snow. And welcome to Master Your Marriage. Where we believe that having an amazing marriage should never feel like hard work and shouldn't be a guessing game. This is the show for married couples who want to discover a scientifically proven approach to building a masterful marriage and have fun while doing it. So if that's you, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. So we're going to start this episode with a story that profoundly impacted me. And it's the story told by Nancy Dreyfus and, yeah, I know this one. and her desperate moment in her psychotherapy practice. So picture this. She's the therapist and she's working with a couple in a marriage session. And this couple mm-hmm. is in turmoil. Emotions are running high and the wife is lashing out on the husband with verbal abuse and the poor guy is just huddling in a corner. He is. He's withdrawn. Yeah. He's unable to articulate a word. He's just sitting there while his wife is smirking, criticizing him, and making fun of him. And Nancy is sitting across the table, feeling the echoes of her own childhood and the shocking resemblance to her own parents. And as she sat there, she could hardly speak, but she scribbled down eight words on a piece of paper. Talk to me like I'm someone you love. So in this act of desperation, Nancy just slid the paper over to the husband, whispered to him, hold this up for your wife. And as the wife saw the words on the paper, her defenses softened. And she replied, I haven't been very nice, have I? You deserve better from me. Mm-hmm. So when I first heard this story, it profoundly impacted me. And I actually cried listening to it because it really hit home. There was a time 30 years ago in our marriage, I was a bit like that woman, the one that took pleasure in berating her husband, who used words as weapons, harsh words as a way to motivate their husband. And I just kept thinking, what if, you know, back then, 30 years ago, what if Robert had held up a sign like that that said, talk to me like I'm someone you love? I wish I'd have known to hold up a sign. I know that I said a few things like that probably changed the early trajectory, but mm-hmm. how much different would it have been? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in her book, Talk to Me Like I'm Someone You Love, Nancy describes her experience that day in her office, and she calls it an answer to a prayer. Even she was surprised how well just that simple piece of paper affected the course of that conversation and the course of relationships. Words have the power to heal fractured relationships. The magic in this simple task, holding up a sign, is this. It only takes one person with a presence of mind to act rather than react, and that can make all of the difference for how conversations proceed. Absolutely. And, you know, while we're talking about this, I think one of the objections or misconceptions that people have, we probably should address it right now. Yeah, I think so. And that's that, you know, reparative and gentle communication 
doesn't mean that we're subjugating ourselves to our partner. It doesn't mean that we withhold our worries, our fears, our feelings, our concerns. It doesn't mean that we're avoiding conflict. It doesn't mean that we can't speak our truth. And it certainly doesn't mean that we have to walk on eggshells. Absolutely not. And quite the opposite. When we speak softly and kindly and gently, we actually can express our truth more clearly and more authentically. It allows us to share how we're feeling and why this problem is causing us distress. And we are able to dig deeper into the root cause of the issue rather than fighting over surface level content. And this is where we're going to talk about surface level versus deeper level content. Exactly. And and this is a really important distinction. It's the distinction between content and context. Ooh. And it's, it's a crucial difference. Every conversation has both. Every conversation has content and context. Co- but content is what we are talking about. It's the what. It's we're talking about sex or we're talking about money or parenting or schedules or our next vacation or maybe how we divide up chores. That's the content. So the context is how we talk about it. And the context is almost always more important than the content. Mm -hmm. Context gets us talking about the meaning and the stories beneath the content. Right. And getting into the context requires us to change the way we communicate. It requires us to drop down into a deeper level of awareness and a deeper level meaning to be able to share with our partner what we're really feeling, what's really going on inside of us, whether that's that we're feeling unheard or unprotected or unappreciated or ignored. And these are things that are usually almost always rooted in unmet childhood needs to either feel seen or heard or valued. Absolutely. So focusing on the context of a conversation allows the content to resolve itself much more quickly and easily. So let's talk about a real life situation that actually happened this week. Okay. 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 Um, This week we were on a call with a couple who's currently participating in our eight week coaching program. Right. And so to protect the innocent, we'll call them Christina and John, and they've been married for seven years. So Christina had very negative feelings about John's parents, especially his mother. And it had been an ongoing perpetual problem since the beginning of their relationship. We always have these. Mm -hmm. And it was a problem that they hadn't to this point been able to solve. And one of the big complaints that they had is that whenever Christina and John would go to his parents' house and attend these family events, John was already so stressed by the time that they that they arrived that once he got there, he just wanted to kind of hide in the corner, scroll on his phone and not really say anything. And so Christina, of course, would be upset. Frustrated, annoyed. With John for like, quote unquote, checking out. Mm -hmm. And she felt like she was sort of left on her own to kind of handle all the conversations and the small talk with her mother-in-law. And imagine she didn't really feel that close to her mother-in-law. So that was difficult. And so for seven years, they fought about the content, the mother-in-law. Mm. So we coach them on how to shift the way they talk about the problems. We coach them on how to drop deeper into being a little bit more vulnerable and how to get into context. And this required them to get a lot more emotionally honest about what was going on inside themselves and to express that deeper meaning and their individual needs that they had, which actually was, was had they had this profound breakthrough experience and actually came to an amazing compromise after seven years. Well, how did they do that? Well, how did they do that? 
So first, as part of our process, we had them write a gentle startup for this conversation. So remember from previous episodes, 96% of the time, the way that you start a conversation is how that conversation is going to end. So before they even started to negotiate anything, we had them plan out and write down each of their starting positions without using any words that had defensive tone. This is a really interesting process because this is something they've been fighting about for a really long time, seven years. Seven years. And they've obviously not had success with coming to an agreement. And a lot any of the, agreement. the the problem that they've had, and a large part of the problem is that they've been starting those these conversations harshly. Yeah, hot. Like, you're so checked out. Boom. That's right. it. Come in hot and then conversations not doing anything. So what was so cool about the way that we did this with them is we had them write down their starting positions, not say it, but write it down. And then we had them exchange their papers with each other and just simply read what was on each other's paper. So what do they write? Well, Christina, on her paper, she wrote down, I feel criticized and unfairly picked on when we visit your family. And it's worsened by feeling isolated and abandoned when I'm left alone to handle your parents by myself. I What I need and really need is your protection and I need to feel safe. Oh, cool. Well, John wrote, I feel chaotic, stressed, tense, and not at all at peace when we visit with my family. And what I really need most is just to feel peaceful when we're sitting and visiting with my family. Now, how different do you think these starting positions were from their original conversations? Boy, they probably were coming in hot. These sound really good. And notice that these starting positions, these statements, these startup statements, there's no blaming. There's no attacking in these statements. What in the past, it would have sounded more like, why are you always on your phone? Are are you purposely trying to antagonize my mother? What's wrong with you? Now, those conversations had shifted to become more emotionally truthful and honest. Yeah. And so when they're honest, then they become more reflective of what each person is feeling and needing in the moment. Mm -hmm. And it was communicated in a way that the other one would be willing to listen. She needed a protection and feeling safe. He needed to feel peace. Yeah. And I think what you just said there about being able to listen, that's an important concept that I think we probably have said before. Maybe it's a good reminder that when we start out critical or with contempt or we're using defensiveness, it automatically causes the other person to fire back with defensiveness rather than right. listening. And so to be heard, like to if we want to be heard, we have to come in more gently. Right. So try this on and see how this feels to you. We are never upset for the reasons we think. Hmm. Yeah, this is a really valuable nugget right here. We are never upset for the reasons we think. And when we remember this as we're in conflicts, it helps us to move past the content and get to that deeper level of meaning and understanding. So, so what, what, what happened we, next? Yeah, so with, what we did was for the next 15 minutes, we had Christina talk about why protection was important to her and how it was connected to her core values and how it was deeply connected to a personal childhood story of feeling unprotected and isolated by her mother. John's job at this moment was simply to listen and seek to understand. Mm. So for 15 minutes, he just listened. Yeah, and tried to understand why these things were, why protection was important to her. Yeah, and then after 15 minutes, they reversed roles, and then it was his turn to describe why peace was so important to him, 
how it was connected to his core values, his dreams, and his background and his childhood stories while Christina just listened. See, and this is an important thing to remember, understanding always precedes solution seeking. Mm -hmm. Understanding precedes resolution. Most people don't take the time to work through this step. They just rush in with a harsh startup or trying to solve the problem quickly, hoping to find a fast solution. But until we take the time to understand each other's needs and each other's deeper meanings, there won't be any real long-term solutions. So after Christina and John listened to one another's deeper meaning, once they listened to the context, then it was actually really easy for them to find a compromise. They were both actually shocked, weren't they? They were shocked at how easy it was to find an agreeable solution that actually honored both of their needs. Yeah, it was such a surprise. And that's the important part is that whatever... When we're emotionally honest in this way, and when we get into the context, we can find those deeper meanings, we can find those core values, and we can find solutions that honor both parties' values rather than squashing one person in the process, right? Yeah. And even better than that, she, Christina mentioned that she felt like after they had sort of met this compromise that she didn't really even hold any anger anymore. Yeah, she called me the next day and she was really surprised how previously she had been so charged, emotionally charged toward her mother-in-law. And after coming up with this solution and feeling though as though her husband would actually protect her, she didn't need to hold on to that anger as much with her mother-in-law that she was able to let go of some of that charge. And this is the power of words, honest, non-defensive words, have the power to reverse the course of a difficult interaction and help couples restore connection and intimacy. Mm -hmm. When we combine a gentle startup, a gentle approach with emotional honesty, and we focus on the context, it's like wielding a magical tool that disarms our partner's criticism, and it helps to bring us back into connection. And of course, That's where we need to come from. That's the energy we need to come from in order to create any kind of compromise or solution. And that's absolutely the truth. And and I think sometimes some people worry about the term compromise, you know, and again, this is not subjugating at all. And as humans, when we feel criticized or hurt, we tend to sort of lash out or defend immediately and then try to convince ourselves that this hurtful stuff that we used, either, you know, lashing out or comments, well, we're just speaking our truth. Mm-hmm. But that's not it. And and that just leads us into this loop of just counterattacks. And that's not truth. That's reactivity. Right. And it goes to one of my favorite quotes, which is act, don't react. Yeah. So truth is in the context. Truth is in wi- being willing to say, you know what, I'm feeling hurt right now. Can you protect me? Truth is saying, this feels awful. Can we start again and be more gentle with each other? Yeah, I like it when you say that. Truth is saying, I know I haven't made this conversation easy for you. Please don't give up on me. Let's try again. Mm. And there's magic that happens when one person is brave enough to speak from this place of truth rather than reacting from those old wounds. So back to the Nancy Dreyfus story. Mm-hmm. After that experience in her office, she created a flashcard system with phrases that couples could use to change directions offer an apology, or stop a conversation that's sort of gone off the rails. 
Mm-hmm. What we love most about this idea of flashcards is it relies on the written word instead of spoken words, which we think is a powerful way to start shifting our difficult conversations. Right. Because remember, in communication, only 7% of what we communicate comes from words alone. The other 93% comes from our body language and tonality. So using flashcards might be a great way to prevent misinterpretations of tonality and allow that message to be clear and uncorrupted. Absolutely. So this is actually why we give this book to a lot of our coaching clients and encourage them to read it and write out many of their own flashcards from these ideas and use those flashcards as a starting place to learn how to have repair conversations. Absolutely. So we're going to drop a link to this book in the show notes, and we think it might inspire you to create your own flashcards for reparative phrases. It's a small but mighty step towards building bridges and fostering deeper connections in your relationships. Great. So what we'd love is for you to share your experience. We want to hear about it. And results with us. We would love to hear your stories. And as we wrap up this episode of Master Your Marriage, let the inspiration of Nancy Dreyfus's work and the potential of words to sink into your hearts. Mm-hmm. Remember, you have the power to transform your relationships by choosing words that heal, uplift, and strengthen the bonds of love. So thanks for joining us today. If this episode has resonated with you, remember to subscribe, leave us a five-star review, and as always, be kind to each other, take care of each other, and put each other first. Mm -hmm. It's the small and simple things every day that create strong relationships. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Master Your Marriage. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, then we want to hear from you. Just go to MasterYourMarriagePodcast.com and send us your question. Oh, and while you're there, you can also check out our retreats and events and even apply for coaching. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get advanced notice of when the next episode drops, plus show notes and many extras. Thanks again for tuning in.